Welcome in brand new Friday scramble, July 8th, 2022. I'm Rick Gaber. That right there, Andy Lackett. Andy, look at us, both away from our uh, home headquarters. How are you? I'm great. I had no idea that. Weren't you just east a couple weeks ago for the U.S. Open? I'm I'm a world traveler, baby. Yeah. So uh, we have a wedding this weekend. So okay. uh, we are back in, we're in Worcester, Massachusetts uh, for a wedding. We're flying back tomorrow. So just a quick, quick trip this time around. Okay. So is the wedding Friday? Is the wedding tonight then? It's today. Tonight. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Family or friends? It's one of Armina's. I think, can raise your hand, Armina. Can she? There she is. Look, Armina on the ones and twos <laughs> from the background. There she is. Uh, it's her, it's, uh, it's one of her friends. So we, we made the, we made the trip for it. Okay. Exciting. Well, congratulations to Mina's friend and I wish him or her. 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 Okay. Yes. Or the best of luck this afternoon. Okay. <laughs> beautiful. A beautiful, a beautiful wedding ceremony, I'm sure, uh, in our uh, future here. But in our present, the Scottish Open is starting to look like a Scottish Open, Andy. I, I just love this, you know, love this style of golf. It's it just so much different than what we see on a regular basis. A, a, a real true Scottish Open is breaking out right now. Yeah. And, I, you know, I, I'm very surprised because, I, you know, you look at kind of the early weather forecast throughout the week and say, oh, it looks like there could be some wind, but it doesn't look to be brutal by any means. And I think it just kind of is uh credence for us to, you know, know heading into next week, how quickly things can change uh, in terms of the weather in Scotland, like for a weather forecast in the United States for something on Thursday, you can get a pretty good sense of what the weather's going to be like on a Monday or Tuesday, right? It's not going to change that much. And in Scotland, I, I think it's a lot more of a mixed bag. So I have been pleasantly surprised as well at, I guess the carnage we'll say, right? A lot of really good players missing the cut. Yeah. I mean, you start scrolling down the leaderboard. Um, Morikawa is out. Zal Torres is out. Scotty Scheffler, barring some miracle, uh, will not be playing the weekend. Victor Hovland, same thing. I mean, it's 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 kind of a blow. Hideki didn't sniff the cut line uh, at any point this week. JT, 73-77. I mean, it's, it's pretty tough out there. So does that... Um... Some of the guys that missed the cut this week, how much does that sound your panic meter heading into the open? Because, you know, I've start already started digging into the open and there is a lot of fair and valid trends. I know both of us are a little bit colder on trends, but not just in the open at all major championships that coming in with really good recent form, even in the most recent start is really essential. And I think we're starting to see this trend lately where more good players are starting to play the week before majors. And it's hard to really call these a tune-up or a scrimmage anymore, right? Like I think history has shown us that, you know, it matters and, and you, you want to have some good ball striking form coming in. So does this worry you at all for a Scheffler or a JT, a Hideki, et cetera? Probably not. I, I think I am more worried, though, that, you know, this style of golf that's being played this week being so different than the style of golf that we see often, and it's one that's going to be similar to what we're going to get next week. That kind of concerns me more 
than just, hey, they missed the cut the week before. So if in my normal, my normal opinion is like, I'm like a two out of 10 concerned when a guy misses a cut before a major, I'm like a four out of 10 concerned because of the situation that we have this time around. I still don't think it's like overly critical, but I'm, I'm more worried about missing the cut at the Scottish going to the open championship. Yeah. Who, who would you say that you feel best about between Morikawa, JT and Scheffler who are all going to miss the cut? Uh, I think it's still Scotty, right? I think Scotty has proven this year that the floor is incredibly high. And um, I mean, he missed the cut at the PGA, right? And then was yeah, and then bounced back immediately and, and figured it out again, right? Like it, you, we ha- we have not seen two bad starts from Scotty Scheffler in a row in quite some time, right? And uh, you know the wave thing too, Scotty, I guess is on this side of the wave, but I mean, I still think unless the afternoon wave is going to play like three strokes harder than the morning wave today, which I don't think is going to end up happening. They're still probably going to end up being a two stroke advantage for the, uh, PM AM guy or the AM PM guys. Sorry. So, you know, even with like Morikawa, who's going to end up missing the cup by one or two, it doesn't look at as bad when you consider the fact that, you know, he had a one and a half stroke to three stroke, potentially wave disadvantage. Yeah. As of right now, this is obviously constantly changing. It's about a two and a half shot difference. Uh, AM PM will play like three strokes over par, for the first two rounds, PM AM will be like five and a half. Uh, that way okay. it's already done uh, because of the timing of things. So it'll, it'll probably end up being like two and a half shots, which uh, listen, Andy, we should probably, you know, that something like that could happen next week as well, where you just get wiped on a wave. Um, and if you're on the wrong side of it, you're on the wrong side of it. There is kind of a larger DFS strategy. And I get this question a lot, especially around open championships where it's like, Hey, should I stack this wave? And I'm like, well, yeah, you might want to stack that wave, but you also might want to stack the other wave as well, right? Just because there's sometimes where um, we don't know what that wave's going to be, but we know we're going to get one. Yeah. yeah. Did you did you end up doing stacking this week? So uh, I, I my bets were more around guys that were going off a little bit earlier. I, I did not think, so the way that I was looking at it, I knew the wind was coming. I thought it was going to impact a lot of guys kind of like their um, their second night, it seemed to impact them a lot earlier than that. Um, yeah. so I had about, I, I did lean some DFS lineups where I, I had maybe like uh, 60% of them were, were wave advantage stacks, but I've, I still left the other ones out there kind of to, to see what happens. Yeah. You know, I didn't really stack either this week. And I, I, I think the reason I did that was, you know, I just had a friend come back from Scotland and talk about how, you know, all the days that they thought were going to be super windy ended up being the calm ones and the days where they thought were going to be calm, or calm ended up being super windy. And I, I just felt like I wanted to, I had a smaller investment this week. So I just said, you know what, I want to see what the weather forecast does this week based on the you know, what it looks like on Monday, Tuesday and how true that ends up being on the actual day and maybe help that maybe use that as like a a judgment call for, for next week in terms of how much I want to, I want to go into the weather. And, and I mean, I, I think it kind of, 
it still kind of surprised me. I, it ended up being more, way more windy than the early forecasts were suggesting. Cameron Tregale is currently in the lead. Uh, I imagine we are going to see some leaderboard gravity because if, as of right now, he's four shots clear of Doug Gim in second, and he's five shots clear of uh, anybody in third. He's six shots clear of anyone who's finished and already in the clubhouse. So the clubhouse lead at the moment, three under. A couple notables there, Andy, Xander Shoffley, Matt Fitzpatrick. They both made big moves on Friday, and if you start to look at the odds board, uh, the way this is trending, they will be the favorites within the next hour or so. Tregale kind of coming back to earth. Uh, he's five to one. Xander and Fitzpatrick are both seven to one right now. I think there's a good chance those two are the favorites after round two if Tregale comes back to the field. Yeah, I would say that, you know, Tringale is the token kind of this guy we don't trust him. Right. Like he is the all time. He's the, he's the rabbit, baby. Go out there on Friday, Thursday, Friday, set the pace. Uh, not going to last and still looking for that first PJ tour victory. Uh, yeah. He is the leading uh, all time money earner without a PJ tour victory. Right. That's like PGA tour history. $15 million dollars, something like that. Right. So Tringali is the ultimate. <clears throat> this guy can't close guy and for good reason i would say that there are enough really solid names right behind him that i have more confidence in even if tringale has a three or four stroke lead on them heading into the weekend hopefully for my bank account that's neiman and hatton um but i mean speed looks pretty good to me uh yeah. he wasn't somebody that i had much exposure to this week at all, but he really does seem like the type of player where um, he can kind of just flip a switch on these in this style of golf. It brings out the best in him. You're going to hear it a lot in the next seven to 10 days. It's like, he's just so creative and thoughtful and um, there. I, I want to get to the coverage in a second, but uh, they got John Rahm in the middle of, his round they they were walking with him and interviewing him and i think it was iona stevens she's she, she does an awesome job with this and she kind of yeah, great yeah she's she's awesome she did uh she asked him like hey you know you're kind of a fiery guy conditions like this how does it make you feel and he kind of was like you have to remember that everyone else is playing the same golf course right and like everyone else is getting bad breaks and everyone else and some some guys just opt to not grind it out and Spieth is like the total opposite of that. Like Spieth, Jordan Spieth cares too much about every single shot that he hits. Like cares way too much. And that's really good in this situation. Yes. Yes. And I think that we had kind of talked about in the, in the weeks leading up, like how we always felt like this year was going to be a really, really good opportunity for Spieth to have to have another add another major to his resume because all of these major venues um, set up really, really well for his game, including Brookline, including Southern Hills compared to other USGA and PGA championship venues. And he's been pretty disappointing in the biggest tournaments this year. He's popped up from time to time at kind of his courses. Like he's played well at Colonial this year. He's played well at Pebble Beach this year. Obviously he won the Heritage, but in terms of the big tournaments, He's been disappointing based on what I think you and I and many others were expecting at the start of this season. And so we both kind of said, okay, just show us a little, a little something. 
leading right. in a little lengths form leading in. And, um, he looks as, I mean, he looks as primed as ever. Like, let, let me ask you this question. If he goes on to win this week, would you make him the favorite at St. Andrews? <laughs> so I argued earlier in the week that like he was the guy. So I'm like Monday, you could get him next for next week at like 28 to one. And yeah. it was like him and Patrick Cantlay and Cam Smith. It was like, the argument is if one of these guys wins, their odds are going to get cut. I argued, I might've said it to you. I said it to somebody who was like, Spieth will be the favorite, which I agree. I, I think is, I think it's probably an exaggeration. Like John Rommel and Scotty Scheffler will probably still be the favorites, but with, the public, with the public money that comes in on Spieth, I would not, I would be not surprised at all. If some book said, here's, here's Jordan at 12 and he's, he's a favorite or co-favorite. Right. So I, Pretty much agree with you. I think that J uh, that Ro that Spieth probably passes a guy gets up there to that range. I think he would come in around 15, 16. If he ends up winning this week, they'll be much quicker. Like if Cam Smith wins this week, I still think he'll, he'll probably be like in the 18 range, mm -hmm. but if Spieth wins this week, they'll cut him down in half. I still think that the Rory, the Rory train is going to start revving up again pretty soon. Once we get to the week of, I mean, did you see the, um, the pictures of him with tiger at Bally Bunyan it's where I'm like going to be in a month? The best. the best. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. And, and when you compare major championship resumes this year, Spieth went, what missed cut at Augusta national, uh, like a T 30, couple of T thirties or something like that. Yeah. And a couple of T thirties. Yeah. And Rory's got a top 10 in every single one of them. Like, right. Rory right. Should, should probably be the favorite. Um, my wallet will be much bigger if we can pull off the Xander Shoffley Adam Svensson double. Andy <laughs> Svensson out in front at the Barbasol. They're way behind. They had a fog delay this morning. They're a couple hours behind. Svensson's on his second nine, a couple clear. Uh, the rest of the board shaping up as you would expect at a, a Barbasol, but Svensson's in first. Hubbard is three shots back T3. Hubbard was one of the favorites or co-favorites this week. Um, Yannick Paul, who we talked about, I think, a couple of weeks ago, back from our outlaw tour days, is T3. So there's we, we, we got some bullets out there for some good stories and some guys that can make us some cash. Yeah, I think it's funny how I always at the last minute cheekily suggest that we should add the uh, the alternate event into our I one and done. I also find that funny, Andy. <laughs> And then uh, I have Svet and Gaudera. He's people were people were losing it over him, right? He was like forty percent in some DraftKings contests, huh? Yeah, he is currently uh, almost DFL. Now he still has a round. He has not teed off yet. He's not teeing off until I mean they got pushed back so far. Four twenty-two p.m. Uh, local time. So it, they it'll be a while. Um, so he could. I mean, he's gonna need a miracle to make this cut. He's gonna have to shoot like a sixty-two or something, but. Uh, yeah, not a very good uh, opening round when you are near the top of the betting board. Who'd you have won and done for uh, Scottish? Uh, Tommy. Yeah, you had Tommy. I remember just now. You had Tommy. Okay, so I've, yeah, and I have Cam in that one too. So Tommy's going to make, Tommy will overcome the bad wave to make the cut, right? Yes, he is in at two over, uh, T53. We are we are almost certainly going to get a, a three over cut 
um, it's already it's it's not there yet, but it will be there shortly. And right. Yeah. Right. Right. And I mean, there's still most guys still have a full back nine ish to play. Right. right. Yeah. Spieth is on 13 yeah. right now. Right. Yeah. So it seems pretty set in stone. Okay. Uh, I have a lot more I want to talk about. We don't have props available because they have not been because round two is underway. Everyone's out on the golf course. We have not uh, gotten round three props, but I just want to talk about real quick general strategy for the weekend after what we've seen for the first uh, two days here. So we will talk quickly on props and we'll do it after these words. Andy Lack is not only the co-host of The Scramble, but also produces his own show, The Inside Golf Podcast. It's available twice a week, focusing on course breakdowns, DFS, and betting strategies for every PGA Tour event. Admittedly, I was drawn to Andy for his data-driven approach, which you'll find on his Sunday shows as he breaks down the field. But I'm even more impressed by his passion for course architecture, which offers a different perspective of our great game. Mix those together with insightful and humorous guests who don't take themselves too seriously, and you've got a recipe for a great podcast. Follow Inside Golf Pod on Twitter and download Inside Golf wherever you download podcasts. Okay, Andy. So uh, we are indeed presented by Prize Picks. Now, with the overseas nature of this event, there is currently no golf prop available, but there will be round three props out soon. So, looking ahead to Saturday, I was tr- a fool's errand of, of looking at the the weather forecast. I think it's going to be pretty similar to what we got here on Friday. Um, maybe the winds are not nearly as strong, couple miles an hour lighter, but are you expecting kind of the same scoring, maybe an average of let's call it uh, like two and a half over par, something some, two strokes, two and a half strokes over par for the rest of the way? Yeah, I am. I think maybe some of the players that, you know, after the cut, usually you weed out some of the guys that just don't have it that week. So maybe it goes down a little bit, but I have no reason to believe that, you know, I don't think they're getting any rain. Uh, tonight or tomorrow morning. So as the course continues to firm up uh, and the wind stays pretty steady, yeah, I think it'd be pretty tough. It's going to be interesting to see. I'm going to monitor. Maybe I'll tweet something or or both of us will tonight to see if they have anything out. But I would, I'd be curious to see if Prize Picks is going to catch up with some of the weather stuff because they don't always do the best job at that always. They don't. I would be quite worried about some of the birdie uh, props that will be available. You know, you look at this, there's outside of, um, I think Matt Fitzpatrick made six birdies on, on Friday during his second round. There are not a ton of birdies out there. So I'm really interested to see what those lines look like, especially because as we know, afternoon tee times are always more difficult because of foot traffic and generally winds start to stiffen in the afternoon. I, I want to see what, birdie lines they drop because they could uh they could have them too high i worry i I don't worry i think it would be great but i worry for price picks (laughs) right and and i hope i wonder if they put out the um the birdie matchups that they had been doing because they kind of took a week off from it this week too right or did they come out late uh, you know what? I was on a plane. I didn't see. Yeah. It. Um, so I, I didn't, I, I didn't see it either when I last checked. I don't think I checked again, like Wednesday night or something like that, but yeah, I would probably be monitoring 
like the overs in scoring and the unders and birdies. That's right. There's only how many holes are playing under par right now? Uh, four, uh, three, four, four of them. Uh, but 13 is like a, a, a hair under par. So, I mean, number three is the only hole that's like, I would describe as gettable. Yeah. One yeah. of the, yeah. One of the par fives is like 640 yards. Right. I mean, it's, yeah. there's not a lot of true birdie holes out here. Uh, Andy M is our resident prize picks birdie or better. He tracks all this stuff. He's been keeping track of the headliners and their records. So those matchups have been out there. So I can imagine they'll continue to roll and uh, Andy will continue to let us know how those uh, shape out. But the headliners have been very, very good in that regard. Just trying to see if there's anything else here. Um, the Barbasol, hold on, actually, hold on. Let's wrap on this, on this prize pick stuff. So I think it's going to play about two strokes over par. Um, so depending on what those lines get set at, Andy, right? If, they, if if lines come in at 70, you're asking a guy to gain two strokes to the field. You can go to rickrungood.com, see how often every player in the field does that. There's there's still going to be plenty of opportunities once we try to figure out, like once you can establish what the scoring average could be, the rest of it just becomes a math problem. Right, right. Andy M, by the way, this guy's the man. He's the keeping track He's of all this stuff. the best Andy on the show, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> I literally, I cannot disagree with this guy. 12, six and four it's for the pitch. headliners. It's a yeah. Pitch. I think they're just, I think they're cool. I don't think they have the eyes on golf that they do on NBA and NFL, because this is something they could have noticed within the first two or three weeks. And they've been doing this, these matchups for like a month now. Yeah. They're now like, I don't know what they were coming into the week, like 96, 60 and 25. So now they're going to be 108, you know, I mean, they're just, they're, yeah, they're, they're print machines right now. So uh, keep an eye out for this. Sometimes they come out later, like they came out later this week. We didn't have a chance to okay. talk about it on, the, on the Tuesday show, but um, they are probably the best place you can, you can get in. If you want to get in, there's a link in the description, the code you're looking for. It's Rick. It's a hundred percent instant deposit match up to, 100 bucks. Uh, Andy, I want to continue to talk about some of the stuff that's going on in Barbasol and some other ideas I want to run past you, but we're going to hit a quick break for a second. If you're not playing daily fantasy on prize picks, then you're not really playing daily fantasy. They offer nothing but props and they do it better than anyone else. You pick two to five players on an over under and can win up to 10 times on any entry. They allow mixed sport entries, meaning you can take the over on LeBron James and the under on John Rahm. The golf specific props are amazing. Birdies or better, fairways hit, greens in regulation, round score, and now, yes, single hole props. That's right. What score will a golfer make on a specific hole? I have prize pick specific tools on my website to help you build the best entries. And now prize picks is offering a 100% instant deposit match up to $100. Just use the code Rick at sign up or click the link in the description. That's code Rick. Good luck. Okay. Andy, a couple of items here. TJ says Rick is going to be stumbling into the hotel room at 2 AM just to turn on the live golf from Scotland. Uh, yeah. So someone, we already had this conversation. They were like, Oh, we should go back to someone's hotel room and have a party after the wedding. And I was like, not ours, because that's where I'm going to watch golf. So you guys can do whatever you want. Uh, I'll be watching golf. So not our room. So Armin and I had to lay down the law there. This is a golf watching zone. 
Um, I, I think Meanie even just in the background was like, I second this. Yeah. Is she in on that? Can you see? Yeah, she might have been. Oh, no. I think she's oh, she's that. calling you a loser. loser. <laughs> she's saying, I'll be at the, I'll be in the other hotel room at the after party. You can have fun with your ball at 2 a.m. Yeah. Uh, Jason Julia says, Neiman at 50 to 1. I'm considering it. Uh, he is nine to one right now at Caesars. So, Andy, if any book in the world is offering Joaquin Neiman at 50 to 1, smash it. Jason, if you're still in the chat, are you talking about the open next week? Because he might oh. be talking about the open next week, which I don't disagree with. Okay, that would make way more sense. I was going to say, if, if a book is offering you 50 to 1, they will probably not pay it out because they don't right. seem like a very reputable book at, at this moment. Uh, and then finally, there's a question here from Chris, which is kind of more of a uh, macro question. Are the OWGR rankings valid a year from now if there are eight to 10 guys that everyone knows should be ranked in the top 40 to 50, but aren't due to political infighting within golf? So I'm assuming what Chris is talking about is all the live guys, right? So that's like trying your, to bring, bring a little more live talk into our, your, into our Friday mornings. That's your Brooks, your Bryson's, your maybe your Taylor Gooch's, um, those guys that I think we all would agree are top 40, 50 players. If they're ranked 300th in the world, are the OWGR points or is the OWGR a valid way to rank golfers? Um, complicated question, but I think yes, given the fact that the live, like the live tournaments are not meeting any of the requirements for what would pertain to a real golf tournament, which is there needs to be, or a real golf tour, which there needs to be a minimum of certain tournaments a year. There needs to be, uh, a minimum, I think to be recognized as a real golf tournament, don't you need 72 holes, which is a problem that live has right now. <laughs> I'm under the impression that the majority of your events, if not all of them need to be 72 holes with a cut. Now the PGA tour and other places get away with that because yeah. only a few of their events do not have cuts. Um, the other thing is, and so the OWG, they don't like tell you what the qualification system is, but I've spoken to a couple of people who are very knowledgeable about, and they've been a part of applying for tours to the OWGR in the past. Um, and I am under the impression that you have to have like, I think it's a minimum of 70, you have to average 70 entrants uh, for your season. Which again, PGA Tour is going to have events where they have thirty, but because they average over seventy for the year, that's all good. So I believe Live has two issues: that they're not playing seventy-two holes, and that they're not averaging seventy golfers. Yeah, I'm not sold on the fact that the Live tournaments are going to get recognized by the OWGR. Now, I will say this: I could see a scenario where uh, all of the majors. Cause I mean, it is in the best interest for the majors to have the best live players at their tournaments, right? Because this in a way elevates the majors because now the majors suddenly turn into the only tournaments on the entire calendar year where you see everybody in the same place, right? So could you see a scenario where even if they don't recognize live via the OWGR, some of the best players get special exemptions into them? Wow, that would be interesting. Um, I hadn't thought about that. Yeah, I don't I don't know. That would feel like a major so so let's just say for example, uh, and maybe the US Open is a bit let's uh, let's just say the US Open extends a special invite to Taylor Gooch, who otherwise right. cannot qualify for the US Open. 
I feel like that would put the USGA in a situation where they are picking winners and losers. They are now politicizing this. So I feel like they wouldn't do it, but it would be interesting. Yeah. I mean, and it would, it would bet it would be for their benefit, right? It would, it would, that's kind of what they, they want all of the hype possible to be building around these major championships is kind of the only places. But I, I agree with you, I guess for the U S open and the, I don't know if these organizations are like above doing stuff like that. Like didn't Ricky Fowler just get a special invite into last year's PGA championship. Yeah. And I mean, didn't they offer one to Phil a year that he wasn't qualified and he, yeah. I, I don't think he accepted it, but um, yeah, I mean, there, it's not, it's not, it would not be that crazy, I suppose. Right now, of course, for the U S open, the live guys could hypothetically go through local qualifying and try and qualify for the U S open the same way that you and I would try and qualify for the U S open, or they could also play Asian tour events to, uh, try and have their official world golf ranking, not crater. But of course the irony is that is it kind of goes against their whole thesis statement of wanting to play less golf. I think to answer Chris's question, just, just on face value, if there are five golfers that us golf fans agree are top 50 players in the world and they are not being ranked as such, and they're ranked egregiously worse than that, three, 400, 500, then uh, like that, that is not a good look for the OWGR. It's not now. I don't know if they will care or if it matters or if that figures itself out and we end up getting, you know, our, our, our perception of these golfers change. But I think in general, if your entire system is designed to rank the best golfers in the world, and there are guys that are probably the best golfers in the world that are being misranked. I, I believe that's a bad look. Right. And I think that's kind of the inherent problem that we are faced with, with live to begin with is how do, and I've been thinking about this a little bit because I was diving into the open last night and early this morning, and I was trying to figure out how to evaluate these guys that played in the live event. Like it, like, how do I evaluate a 10th place finish in live Portland from Bryson? How do I evaluate a seventh place finish from Gooch, a 20th place finish from Brooks? And I think that's the problem that, uh, or the predicament, I guess that the OWGR faces is, are these guys still the best players in the world? Like what, how, how do we evaluate any of it? And does this decision, is this the type of decision that you think is going to come soon, by the way, I know you're a little bit more plugged in than I am, but how much time do they have to kind of sit on this before they vote? I would not be surprised if they sat on it for a year. Really? Yep. And that kind of just solves a lot of their, because remember, there's seven members of the OWGR board. Two of them are Jay Monahan and, and Keith Pelley. Right. Yeah. So there is not a ton of incentive to ram this through. The only concern I would have if I were the PGA Tour is that the PGA Tour got them to expedite adding, I want to say PGA Tour China or PGA Tour Latin America or whatever that application was. The PGA Tour got them to expedite that, which sets a precedent for expedition. Right. Um, but I would not. I I do not think it it is going to be resolved uh, anytime soon. 
now that we're kind of already down this rabbit hole, what did you think of the Rory comments? I think a lot of people were saying, oh, he's backtracking now. Uh, I think there's a portion of him backtracking in it for sure. I, I think that that is a very, I don't know, maybe it's just a very different comment when you contrast it to like Billy Horschel, right? Not that Billy Horschel is the spokesperson for the PGA Tour like Rory McIlroy is, but um, yeah, I mean, for, for these tours to coexist, I don't know how realistic that is, uh, honestly. I don't, I don't know how realistic that is. Um, so I, I do think Rory was backtracking a little bit. Yeah. I think what Rory is doing at least a little bit is he's probably just reading the room a little bit and realizing that, Hey, I'm, I've been pretty steady in my fealty to the PGA tour, but it doesn't seem like too many others have, you know, the, you know, outside of Rom and JT and Homa did a great interview where he seemed pretty firm in his stance, but like you haven't gotten really, really firm stances from a lot of other players. So I think Rory is probably looking at this whole situation and thinking like, man, do I really, how do I want to look, I have the potential to look stupid here if I'm the only one left standing. And now I don't think that that is going to happen. I don't think it will ever be a position where he'll be the only one left standing. But I do, as you have talked about, as we've heard rumblings about a bunch, I do think the landscape is going to look a little bit different after the tour championship, right? And that may have some of the world's best players feeling a little bit different in August. Yeah, for sure. So we'll obviously keep an eye on that. They're not playing again until the end of the month, the live guys. Uh, and we're going to have an open championship before then. And there could be some, some moves along the way. Uh, a quick update. They have bad weather at the Barbasol. They're pulling golfers off the course. I'm not going to dive into the full weather forecast, Andy, but I imagine if they're going to get rain, some of these guys who have not teed off yet, uh, who are going to get prime scoring conditions when these things get back, whether it is a, I don't know, Grayson Sig or Doc Redman or Kevin Streelman or Tom Lewis, who are like kind of in the mix and are the op opportunity to get really, really good conditions for a lot of their holes. I'd go look at their live numbers. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we're getting, this is fog. <laughs> no, it was fog this morning. Okay. Which pushed them back multiple hours. And now right. I believe it is lightning. Okay. Is getting them off the golf course. Okay. But I don't know if there is rain along with it. Right. And the rain hypothetically would stop in the course up, which Correct. the lightning wouldn't do. Yeah. Correct. All right. We'll keep an eye on that. Uh, last, uh, last thing before we get out of here. We kind of already covered it, but uh, have we learned anything from this week for next week? Right. Is it some guys play better when their ball's on the ground? Some guys don't like the options. Some guys can't handle the unfairness. There, there is a, there is an inherent unfairness to this style of golf, right? Whether it's the wind draw, whether it's the weather draw, or whether it's like you could hit so many great shots that are not rewarded and you could hit horrible shots that end up in better positions than they should. Yeah. I love it. This is how golf was intended to be played. Rub of the green. Um, yeah. You know, to me, 
I think that St. Andrews has some stuff in common with the Renaissance club. I think there is some more nuance to it. I, I, I don't think it's a perfect comparison, but yeah, I think one thing you want to be looking at is some of the players that seem overly frustrated in these conditions, right? Like, uh, a ROM, for example, seems to be very frustrated with a lot of the bounces and the rub of the green that he's getting. Um, but I, I, in, in totality, like not a ton because I'm still not sold that we're going to get this type of win at St. Andrews next week. Yeah. Yeah. Fair enough. Fair enough. Well, Cameron Trigali just made another another bogey. So he's back down to seven on dirt, which is now just two shots clear of Gibb, now just four shots clear of Fitzpatrick and Shoffley, who are already in the clubhouse. Uh, I, I imagine if we waited 30 more seconds, I could refresh Caesars and see that Fitzpatrick and Shoffley are like the co-favorites to win this thing, which is the direction we thought this was this was headed in. And if we get those two in the mix on the weekend, uh, yeah, it'd be well-deserved to be two of the hottest players in the world battling it out. What's your temperature on Xander winning the open? He, he, he seems like he's catching some, some deserved big time buzz. I think the stigma on Xander has changed a little bit from the travelers where there used to be a bit of a, uh, you know, you used to kind of had to do it in silence if you were betting Xander Shoffley outright. And, and now it feels like, you know, there seems to be a bit of a bandwagon growing for him. I, I think we've learned a lot recently that these guys catch fire. They make a lot of noise. And sometimes it goes on for four, five, six weeks. If it's, if you're Scotty Scheffler, sometimes it goes on for 25. If you're Tiger Woods, sometimes it goes on for 250. Um, and Xander's in a, he's in a moment right now. And he's, he's on one. And it's really hard to deny. And I think there were a couple of quotes. I don't want to read too much into it because he's kind of a soft-spoken guy. He doesn't make any major proclamations. But I think he gains a little bit of confidence from beating a full field of oh, yeah. travelers. You know what I mean? Like the, the, the only murmur that anyone has had negatively to say about him for the last five years is you can't win these events and he just won one. So he's in a moment. He's in a moment. Who do you think is more likely to win the open Xander or Matt Fitzpatrick? Oh, uh, um, that's good. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Xander. I think it's close. I think it's, I think really it's close, close too. Yeah, that's fair. That's that, fair. I mean, right. I mean, there's, I can yeah. make a really great case for either one of them. Right. Right. No, I, I agree with that. I'd give, I'd give Xander, I think a slight edge, but it's, it's very close. And just like that, we'll put a bow on the show. Uh, they are now the favorites. Xander and Fitzpatrick are both five to one Tringale six to one as we proclaimed 39 minutes ago that this would happen. Andy, uh, we're going to put a pin in it there because I got wedding stuff to go do. The golf is wrapping up here. Uh, we're going to get you out to, to start your, start your Friday. Always a good, always a good time to chat with you. Next time we talk Tuesday, it'll be open championship week. Cannot wait. Cannot wait. I already started, uh, my article that I will post on Monday for you guys on the website, rickrungoods.com. Um, I am, my excitement is at an all time high. I cannot wait. I thought that this week so far has been a perfect appetizer and, uh, excited to chat more open with you next week, my friend, enjoy the wedding.
Yeah, thank you. It'll be special. Armina on the ones and twos. There she is. Thank you very much. Uh, Andy Lax available on Twitter at ADP Lax Sports. You can find me at Rick Run Good. This has been your Friday Scramble. See you next time.